3: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We're here in the second hour. We're going to talk to you about the latest uh, in Ukraine and. U.S. involvement, Western involvement, what are we going to do with our allies and how is this likely to continue uh, what's going to be happening here in the days ahead. You have a Russian demand this morning for the surrender of Mariupol, which is a city on, it's, it's a a port city, I believe on the Sea of Azov, which is connected to the, uh, the Black Sea. And this would be a land bridge if they were able to secure this between two other important areas for the Russian uh, invasion here in eastern Ukraine. It would connect effectively the Donbass region to Crimea. Uh, it would be a connecting city between those two areas would also effectively b- uh, block and bar Ukraine from water access uh, or come pretty close to it. So. The Ukrainian government has said no. They've said that they will not, uh, they will not concede the city of uh, Mariupol on the Sea of Azov to Russian forces, even though there's it's getting pounded with missiles. The Russian assault continues on. Now I know that we we try to focus on what this means for us here at home as much as possible and take a an America first perspective on our foreign policy in general. This was fascinating to me. I mean, this I thought was, it wasn't surprising, but it was worth noting to all of you. I understand it's, it's data for Canada. I would love to see, and my guess is you probably will see similar polling here in the States, but this was done through, uh, the Toronto Star and some polling agency. I think it's ECOS. How should Canada respond to the Ukraine invasion? And they break it down by vaccinated versus unvaccinated, and this is for respondents. The vaccinated, mind you, was three or more shots. So, like Clay, I'm, and I wouldn't count. You know, if you if you just get one J and J shot, you're not. I think you're now you're considered unvaccinated now. for For the vaccinated folks, you are unvaxed if you only got the J and J. Let me just throw some of these numbers at you, Clay, because this it, this is pretty clear what we see happening here. Imposing tougher economic sanctions on Russia, the vaccinated, 86% say yes. Seizing the assets of oligarchs, 85% of vaccinated, yes. Cutting off oil shipments from Russia, 81%. Sending additional military equipment, 82%. We'll go down a little bit here to providing Ukraine with fighter jets, 52%. Dispatching military forces to Ukraine, 30%. On the other side, you have the unvaccinated respondents Imposing tougher economic sanctions on Russia, 13%. Seizing the assets of Russian oligarchs, 13%. Cutting off shipments from Russia, 21%. Dispatching military force to Ukraine, 11%. Now, this isn't, this isn't a perfect snapshot of a, of very complicated issues, but it does seem to indicate, Clay, that for people who are willing to listen to the machinery of state media and the apparatus, there is a correlation between I will double mask, I will get eight shots if I'm told, and we need to do everything, including send troops into Ukraine to stop this invasion because that's what our media is telling us needs to happen right now or that we at least have some moral obligation to do more.
2: Yeah, and this to me is part and parcel of the bigger picture here, Buck, which is not being understand, able to analyze risk rationally. Because there's a great story out in the uh, in the Wall Street Journal today where they break down everything surrounding the idea of kids ages five to 11 getting vaccinated. And basically, the data doesn't support it at all. But this idea of the fear of covid, what I've called for a long time, the fear porn is so all encompassing that they're unable to analyze it. And I feel like this is the same way an emotional response to ukraine is in some way justifying what is an irrational risk in other words your 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 own individual risk from covid you are wildly overrating the world's risk of nuclear war you are radically underrating and ultimately what it what it to me ref, reflects is a failure of your own risk analysis to make rational decisions, probably because you're being overrun by emotion as opposed to logic.
4: And it's, it's even, there's even a correlation. Now, the no fly zone would be that's, that's the most extreme military measure from the US and Canadian side that people have been talking about in a serious way. I don't think you're not hearing people say we should, you know, send a, you know, we should let land the Marines and then send in, you know, 82nd airborne, but no flies when they've talked about. There is a correlation here. Can't say causation correlation here. The more doses of vaccine clay one has received correlate with more extreme positions for intervention in Ukraine. So if you've received three or more doses, so you're boosted, maybe boosted plus plus, 59 percent on this poll. Say a no fly zone is a good idea. Two doses, it's only 34%. Vaccine refusers, 18%. So,
2: so do you think, do you think, do you buy into this analysis, Buck, that it's emotion based decision making almost entirely? And emotion, oftentimes, I mean, everybody out there listening to us knows. You make a lot better decisions very often if you're emotional about a subject, if you sleep on it, right? Give yourself a little bit of time to think on it as opposed to initially reacting as your emotions might dictate. I always like to use as an example in the the world of politics, Abraham Lincoln would handwrite every time he got furious, handwrite letters explaining exactly why he was furious. And then he would put it in his desk drawer in the White House and wait for a day to decide whether or not to send it. And he said most of the time he never sent the letters. And I love the quote from Benjamin Franklin. Passion governs and she never governs wisely. Social media age, we allow emotion to dictate almost every American policy action, it feels like.
4: Yes, this is this is about for people take positions now um, that the government and in the case of Canada, it is truly state media, which I think is interesting in our country. It's. De facto state media. I'm not even just talking about NPR. I mean, you see the relationship between the legacy corporate media and the Democrat Party and the Biden administration and how cozy and colluding it all is. Uh, when you have 95 percent of news and journalism supporting one political party, you might you might as well have state media because that's what you're up against. Um, the The people that want to go along with this generally, I find, are those who want to be a part of the herd. And they also want the validation from the information and political machinery uh, machinery around them of they're a good person. More than anything else, I believe this. I want to get the shots because I'm a good person. So I'll get three shots. I'll get five shots. I'll get 10 shots. It doesn't matter what the data actually says or what I observe about the efficacy of the vaccines to stop the spread. I do it because I'm a good person. And the same kind of thinking is reflected, I think, in the no-fly zone support where people say, we should have a no-fly zone, and 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 it's because what they're doing is so terrible. The Russians are so awful. Putin's a monster, and it doesn't matter if it re- means that we have U.S. planes shot down, that there'd be U.S. soldiers put in harm's way, that perhaps there'd be open war with Russia. It makes me feel good to hold the position, and that is the way that I think a lot of uh, decision-making goes these days in politics. It is also very much pushed by social media, and it's who controls the information flow. I mean, we see... Who gets to ban people for saying a man is a man? It's not Republicans, it's not conservatives who
2: get to do that. And also, I would say, Buck, as our world is accelerating, it's easier to judge by what occurs on social media. And sometimes that can lead to awful decisions. And I'll, <laughs> from a humor perspective, we talked about the NCAA tournament going on. Rex Chapman, who is a far left wing loon, is now part of the NCAA tournament coverage. And he's just, he's awful at it. And the reason why he got that job is because Turner executives and CNN executives liked the fact that he was sharing left wing tweets all the time. And so this Ukraine strategy is driven by the same strategy that motivated BLM, that motivated the idea that you have to go get your COVID shot. And by the way, Buck, coming out of the weekend in Ukraine, are you even more confident that we're headed towards a negotiated settlement? Uh, and that the the likelihood here is that Russia is gonna get a substantial piece of Ukraine in order to yeah. end this war? I from
4: week from week two, maybe even week one of this fight, I've been saying Russia is going to seize, they're gonna consolidate in the East, they're going to seize they're gonna consolidate Crimea, connect them, and then decide that they get Uh, By the way, that's where some of the pockets of Russian, primarily Russian speaking Ukrainians live. And they're going to say, well, this is now Russian Federation territory or Russian Federation protectorate. That's how this thing ends, even with a no fly zone, which would be crazy. This thing doesn't end with Ukraine booting out the evil Russian invaders and taking back all of their lost territory. That's just not realistic. So now it's how quickly I mean, right now on CNN, the headline is Zelensky open to Putin talks but warns of world war 3 if they fail. I would like it if this guy would stop talking about world war 3. I'm just going to put that out there. Um it's actually not world war 3. It's a war between Russia and Ukraine and there are international actors who are trying to help and bring it to to resolve it. But we all know world war 1, world war 2. Those were different conflicts on a different scale and I I wish he would stop saying. He even said we're already in world war 3 in one of his speeches last week. Like he should calm this down a little bit. That's not helpful at this moment.
2: I also wonder, as I'm watching him, by the way, Buck, to what extent is Russia still trying to kill him? Because that's the one that I think could really throw things for an emotional wrench here, right? And the reason why I bring that up is so much of right now the world defines Ukraine through Zelensky. And if he is killed and murdered by Russia, I think that's going to put things on a different emotional pivot because he is the personification of this war and the people who are responding emotionally are going to respond even more emotionally to his death if it ends up happening. Uh, I think it would be the worst I, thing that could happen. I, I think it's not, a, not only it's, certainly for that death, but just in terms of acceleration. Yeah.
4: I think the Russians and Putin would view this first through the lens of does it make it more likely that we get a settlement that we, the Russian federation, meaning the Russian federation wants if this guy's alive or dead? If he's, if, if it's easier if he's alive and then, cause I keep saying this. Once the bullets stop and there's some kind of ceasefire negotiated agreement, Russian oil, all this stuff is going to be within six months, maybe sooner. People are going to say, yeah, Russia's bad, but we have to do business with them. And Putin knows that that's what's going to happen. So is it easier to get to that state with or without Zelensky? I think in Putin's calculation, which I don't I don't know how he views that, but I think that's what governs how much they're trying to specifically go after uh, Zelensky to take him out as a target or not. If taking him out means that they, this thing ends faster, I'm, I'm, Putin would do it in a heartbeat.
2: Uh, we'll come back. I'll play. We'll have a little bit of fun because I think you'll enjoy this too. Uh. (laughs) Anytime you go on television and and, and announce that someone who is uh, actually alive is still uh, is dead, and especially when they're one of your coworkers, not a great place to be. Must
4: be a shock to them, yeah.
2: <laughs> no doubt, as Mark Twain said, rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, and his team—they fit us for our own pillows and introduced us to their ever-growing list of incredible products. They've got it all. Towel sets, slippers, robes, mattress toppers, giza sheets—they've got everything. And right now, I got to talk about their towels, specifically their six-piece set. We got brand new towels at the house; just hopped out of the shower today. And when you got a brand new towel, you can tell. We got some old towels in the house now. We got some brand new, made with USA cotton. They are fantastic. You get two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Usually, those sell for one hundred nine ninety-nine, and for a limited time, you can get them for the low price of thirty nine ninety nine with the promo code Clay and Buck. Log on to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and use the promo code Clay and Buck. All MyPillow products, 60-day money-back guarantee, and you'll also get a copy of Mike Lindell's book for free with your purchase. Just use the code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792- 3269.
0: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. And there is so much uh, insanity out there. Buck, your, your national championship team, Villanova, is still alive. My national championship team, Tennessee, was eliminated by Michigan. I'm still not over it. My wife is a Michigan grad, and as I was sulking over the loss on Saturday, she found me, and she said, well, at least one of us is a winner. Um, So, yeah, very thoughtful thoughtful of her. Uh, But Villanova is still alive. But look, they've got an absolute idiot imbecile in Rex Chapman, who is working right now uh, as a part of the uh, the programming. And this went viral uh, after he reported – uh, as part of his analysis that Pete Gillen, who's a former Providence Friars coach, uh, was dead. And I'm going to play this clip for you in a minute. But, Buck, this guy is only getting his job. He's got a CNN Plus show now. Uh, Rex Chapman, he stole $14,000 in gear from a Scottsdale Apple store. Uh, and uh, That's said a, lot, that's it a be- lot of gear, bro. That's I, like I multiple to out.
4: laptops. Like That's not one or two things.
2: I was trying to figure that out myself because usually an iPhone, even if you're paying full freight, is what like seven, eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and 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 a, and the
4: absolute top line Mac laptop pretty much runs you close to two grand, I think, fifteen hundred. So two grand.
2: I mean fourteen thousand dollars. He was steal. I don't even know how you steal stuff like that from the Apple Store because usually. They go back, right? They come out and then they bring your stuff back out. So I don't even know what Rex Chapman was doing or how he managed to do it, but he was arrested for $14,000 in Apple Store theft in Scottsdale. Uh, he's a former University of Kentucky basketball player and played in the, uh, played in the NBA as well, uh, and was a successful NBA player. Uh, but he's lost his mind. He's gone full on, uh, you know, Corona bro. He's arguing. Remember back when the Virginia Tech, uh, the football season started? He tweeted out, "Oh, it's the Corona Bowl," and I mean, he's just kind of an imbecile. Well, it's not surprising to anybody who's paid attention to his uh, his his work. CNN would hire him, give him his own show on CNN Plus, put him on their basketball coverage, and he would report that a fellow CBS employee, a guy who is uh, who is also calling NCAA tournament related games, Pete Gillen, is dead. Listen,
4: the aggressors get the calls. The physicality, I think plays in favor of Providence, and I think Ed Cooley takes Providence back to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 25 years ago when Pete Gillen had, God sham God, rest in peace, Pete Gillen. So he's Pete not Gillen's resting alive. in peace apparently. Not, he's walking around, hanging out with family. He's fine. That's what you're telling me.
2: Yes. Wow. Um, and this is, you know, indicative. You can kind of laugh it off, but this is indicative of what we were talking about in the last segment, Buck, which is I think so many people allow Twitter to be the real world that they don't even recognize what absolute insanity it is to be giving people like Rex Chapman television shows. Right. I mean, this guy's an imbecile. Less than, I
4: think less than 2% of the United States is, is active on Twitter on a regular That's basis. Right. And for a lot of people in the media, they think that Twitter opinion is representative. It's been said before that Twitter is the assignment editor of the New York Times. There's truth to that because the people that work in journalism in particular think that whoever is chirping at them on twitter is representative of what people actually think across the country and that is not true
2: that is, it's not remotely t- turns true. out that's not
4: accurate look there are more um, and more examples of governments worldwide reaching for income and savings of private citizens it's a thought that was impossible to conceive some years ago but serves it as a reminder that protecting your life savings from all forces is important One way to achieve that is with the purchase of gold and or silver. I buy my gold from the Oxford Gold Group. They've made it so you can have real gold and silver delivered to your front door. If it's gold or silver you've purchased, now you can easily take delivery of it from Oxford Gold. Gold and silver traditionally hold their value, especially when markets decline or even fail. The Oxford Gold Group, the industry leader in precious metals, is offering gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. They will beat any competitor's price on precious metals. Get gold you can hold or get real gold in your IRA or 401k today. Call the Oxford Gold Group to request your free precious metals investment guide by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keywords gold IRA. You'll receive your precious metals investment guide directly to your phone and get all your questions answered. Simply dial from your phone right now. Dial pound 250. Say the keywords gold IRA. That's pound 250. Say gold IRA.
1: Joe Biden can't hide from the fact that um, he is the president of high gas prices, and they're looking for anyone to blame, whether it's Putin, whether it's Republicans, whether it's the energy companies, whether it's COVID. The Democrats have a very big problem with 40-year high inflation, highest gas prices ever. When Joe Biden came into office, it was $2.38 a gallon for gasoline. American families paid $1,000 more, George, for energy last year than the year before. And on polling last week, 70% of Americans say more American oil and gas and less emphasis on
4: climate. Less emphasis on climate. Senator John Barrasso there, he gets it. This is what has led to so many of the otherwise inexplicably self-defeating and absurd policies around energy that the democrats are always pushing for which the only upside is the fight against the imaginary war with co2 that we're supposed to be waging all the time but it really hurts families i mean a thousand dollars in extra energy cost the all-time high gas price was just last week in this country was hit last week gas prices are down a down seven cents from last week now but still very high which means all the products you buy are quite expensive and uh the things that you need are going to be taking a bigger bite out of your budget all across the country this is this is reality now there are two ways that they're going to go at this because they recognize they got a big problem going into the midterms when the economy is crappy and people are feeling the effects of high inflation increasingly people are talking about stagflation clay and maybe even a looming recession here depending on what economic growth is this quarter when that's happening you don't have a lot of folks excited to go and and vote for the party in power that's made a lot of bad decisions so what is elizabeth warren offering on this well uh this is actually a flashback to march 13th she was on msnbc but you're gonna hear a lot more of this
5: It's those big, greedy corporations. Senator Whitehouse and I and others have introduced a windfall profits tax that says if you're out there price gouging, you're going to have to give up a big chunk of your ill-gotten gains. That's the best way I know to be able to push back against these oil companies. This
4: isn't like Democratic western europe socialism so much as it starts to sound more like straight up venezuela maduro socialism for Elizabeth warren your greedy company clay your greedy oil company the profits are too high so we're just going to take it from you
2: well well D- and again how do you define what a windfall profit is that is a massive difficulty that would be ripe for exploitation right because if uh, let's say these oil and gas companies are making more money. The, 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 again, I go back to the Democrats not really understanding how business works because so much of what they say is, you know, this, this, the, they made this much money and they only paid this much tax. The, the tax code is broken. Let's just say that. Buck, right? I mean, I am a long-term believer that if you and I are pretty smart people, right, in the grand scheme of things, I have no idea how to do my taxes at this point. I have none. Zero. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different moving parts. I give everything to my accountant and I say, you know, handle it. Let me know what I need to write a check for. Let me know if I'm getting a refund. I have no earthly idea. And the uh, I, I guarantee you the vast majority of people out there uh, who are in any way involved in owning a business or trying to run. I mean, it's broken. So this idea of a windfall profits tax is is. Broken at inception because our tax code really should be. And this is where one of those things Steve Forbes got right back in the day. You should be able to pay your taxes by filing, you know, like a postcard, right? Everybody should understand what they're paying. Everybody should play it. In my opinion, in an ideal world, we would all pay a flat tax. We would know exactly what we owe. There would be no complexity to it. I have zero confidence in the Democratic Party, which doesn't understand basic business right now, being able to try to make the oil and gas industry better when the reason why we're not producing as much oil and gas as we possibly could, Buck, is because they already have regulated us away from being able to do that. So now when you challenge these oil and gas companies, you're going to further disincentivize them from producing more oil and gas. That's the the actual what the impact of this would be.
4: So you have the demonize the corporations, which is what you're just talking about, taking taking their windfall profits tax and all this stuff. Uh That's one option for the Democrats, because the make things better economically, get out of the way, less regulation push for fossil fuel energy production to be at an absolute maximum in this country. Democrats ain't going to do that. That's not going to happen. So they're looking at going into a midterm with a weak economy and people upset, understandably, about it. So on the one hand, Clay, they have the class warfare angle, which Elizabeth Warren, multi millionaire Elizabeth Warren, is great at playing, right? Oh, I care so much about you. She's worth like $14 million herself. Yeah. Then the other one is Buy a Tesla, peasant, or in this case, <laughs> eat some lentils and take the bus, peasants. This was amazing. Bloomberg Opinion. First of all, with the, the Captain Obvious Award for Bloomberg Opinion for the last month, maybe forever. This is from the piece. Inflation stings most if you earn less than $300,000 a year. Yeah, you don't say here's how to deal with it. It turns out millionaires care less clay and even half millionaires care less about inflation than people who are working for wages under 300 K. Here's how they say to deal with it. And I'm serious. I'm, I'm actually reading to you from a Bloomberg opinion piece here. Everybody take the bus. Don't buy in bulk. Try lentils instead of meat. And nobody said this would be fun. This is this is the the elites who think they understand economics are like put that cheeseburger down, peasant. Inflation's running high, plus the carbon emissions for the cow are too high. Eat your lentil patty in
2: silence. Here also is a bad idea of why every journalist just about shouldn't live in New York City and L.A. or San Francisco, because to them, three hundred. You know this, Buck. If you live in New York City, like three hundred thousand dollars in New York City is a lot of money, but you aren't rich if you have $300,000 in New York City. If you make $300,000 in 99% of the places that people live in the United States, you're doing really, really well for yourself. But you have this idiot journalist. I don't even know how they picked. Do you agree with that, Buck? $300,000, you can see how a journalist in New York could be like, oh, you're not super rich if you're listening to us right now in Birmingham, Alabama, or you're listening to us right now in Louisville, Kentucky, or in uh, in Salt Lake City, three hundred thousand you're living pretty well on three hundred thousand dollars. In New York City, a journalist might be thinking, "Oh, you're not that rich on three hundred k," and it just makes you so out of touch in terms yeah. of how the vast majority of Americans are living. They've done studies, and 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 our the listeners on uh,
4: our W O R family in the New York tri-state area already knows this. If you're living in, in New York City, whatever your income is compared to other cities across the country, with with a handful of exceptions, San Francisco, uh, um, L.A., you know, D- LA. Um, but if, you, if you're living in New York City compared to, say, Oklahoma City, whatever your income is goes half as far. Yeah. So if you make $100,000 a year in New York City, you live like somebody who makes $50,000 in Oklahoma City or in... Salt Lake City, et cetera. That's to give sense of folks a sense of just how big that disparity. But yeah, New York and D.C. are expensive cities. So they have a very the journal class has a uh, a skewed view of what what actually being well off and and being able to pay your bills looks like
2: no doubt. And also, there's no doubt that the people who have the most to lose from inflation are the people who have to spend all of their money that they earn to live. Because you're actually seeing the price come out of your paycheck. I was talking with my uh, father-in-law about this. He was at the house over the weekend while Laura and I, my wife, were traveling. And he was saying every single thing that he's buying, he owns a meatpacking plant in the Detroit area, every single thing that he's buying is the prices have skyrocketed. He was like trays, metal trays that used to cost uh, nothing the cost for those now, for instance, in his business are going through the roof. It's it's wild. I, mean, I know a lot of small business owners out there are feeling the impact of here and a windfall profits tax is not going to make anything better.
4: Many of you are in a spot where you're trying to save as much money as you can for your family. Listen to what Clay and I were just talking about a second ago. I mean, look, we get it. Good for you. Take action, particularly at a time when everyday expenses are just beyond your control. Your monthly mortgage is not one of those. There's a lot you can do with that monthly expense, and American financing can help you. You can save up to $1,000 a month with these guys, and you could skip up to two mortgage payments, which means greater upfront savings. So please, make time now to give them a call. Get that free mortgage review we've been telling you about, and just learn about your options. No pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. Just a simple conversation around custom loans that can fit your budget better. Because there's so much more to a refinance than just a lower rate. And believe me, these are the folks that are going to make the greatest savings happen. I've been through the process, and they're really good at this. I've actually worked with American Financing to get a mortgage. This is who you want doing your refinance, doing your mortgage. We both believe in this company. We know you will, too. Call American Financing at 800-777-8109, that's 800-777-8109, or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org.
0: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty
2: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Appreciate all of you. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. He is Buck Sex and encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment. We're gonna have some fantastic guests coming your way in the third hour of the program. Miranda Divine, if you haven't been paying attention to all of the sudden acknowledgement that the hunter biden laptop was real where miranda devine wrote an entire book laptop from hell on this i said earlier that i thought hunter biden would end up facing charges buck disagreed we have a stake bet on it and uh and we'll see what which side of that bet I miranda mean, i'm would just like telling to you
4: if they have that fancy japanese uh prefecture wagyu, wagyu stuff going yeah. on don't think i won't pull the trigger on that travis
2: Uh, Also, Seth Dillon, by the way, who runs the Babylon Bee, which is a great, funny satire site, uh, they have been locked, their Twitter account has, over the fact that they criticized Penn's transgender swimmer, uh, Leah Thomas, Will Thomas, uh, as a male swimmer, switches to Leah and becomes a female. I don't even know at this point, Uh, Buck, the career now of this swimmer is over, But the report was that there was going to be an attempt to make the U.S. women's Olympic team. And so you finally had some athletes start to speak out against this. And we'll see where that heads. But I'm curious what is going on with Seth Dillon and how long. What happens is if you put up a tweet that Twitter doesn't like, that that violates their rules... They demand that you delete it. What you and, just said, by the um, way, could get you banned yeah. from
4: Twitter. You know that, right? Yes. Just saying Will, no, just saying Will Thomas. That's to get you banned? They call this dead naming on the left, which is where you are using a trans person's former name from their previous gender, and that under Twitter terms of service can get, that alone can, so if you just, so if, even with, uh, with, uh, Chris Jenner, if you, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, by the way, you can change your name. I'm fine with that, but even, of course, but even, Noting someone's previous name is called dead naming. You're not allowed to do it.
2: So saying Will Thomas was a swimmer, which is an accurate fact at the University of Pennsylvania and was on the win, the men, the Penn men swimming team and yeah. then made the decision to change his name to Leah Thomas and become a woman. That would get you banned on yes. Twitter potentially. You, you
4: just dead named and I'm so angry. I'm literally shaking right now.
2: But so. you, it, it was, it's funny about the, the dead naming concept is so ridiculous. But what is wild about this, uh, buck in general is you can't tell the story of why this is a big deal without telling the story of Will Thomas being a male swimmer first. Because if Will Thomas had just been a regular dude at UPenn and had decided to become a woman, he would never have been able to compete at a high level in women's swimming, right? Probably.
4: Yeah, the women but, swimmers at uh, at these schools would swim faster than you and me, for example, by a lot.
2: Right? I, I mean, I'm, a lot. I am an awful swimmer. I would lose by, like, minutes. Uh, so the idea that you can't say the name Will Thomas makes telling the story of Leah Thomas and why it's significant in the world of sports impossible.
4: But isn't that the point? You yeah. can't tell the story well, the way that you would tell it based on fact, Clay. You have to tell the story the way they insist you tell the story.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's such a ridiculous policy to put in place particularly in the world of athletics where a man becoming a woman's athlete is frankly the antithesis of all competition in general. And I think we have a call, uh, that wants we have to, a D1 uh, swimmer, to weigh in on this a female, yeah. D1,
4: an, an actual female D one swimmer, Cindy and AZ, uh, Arizona, also known as thanks for calling in.
5: Hey, thanks for having me guys. It's uh it's wonderful to talk to you and I'm so glad you're, you're speaking out about this because not enough people are, I'm telling you, it, it so I swam competitively through high school and college, and there was no way we could compete against the men's team. We trained with them, but there's no way we could we could be better than them just be, just because of biology. My, Where did um, you swim, Cindy? I swam at uh, USC, University of Southern California.
2: Okay, so what do you ago, think? But... Yeah, but what, what, what would you think uh, if you were, I know you take yourself back in time, if when you were swimming, suddenly a member of the USC men's team had decided to become a women's swimmer and had started, immediately became the best women's swimmer on your team. How do you think the girls would react back then? And what do you think many of the girls are thinking now?
5: We would have, we would have, not, we would have had none of it. None of it. We would have all stood up and fought for our rights as females, biological females not just want to be females, and it's, it's not fair. I mean, especially what people don't know about, about swimming in general is that when you're 10 and under, six, seven, eight, nine years old, the girls' times to, to make, like, state meets and what have you are faster, harder to, to make than the boys' times. But when we hit puberty, the rules change. Everything changes because those boys take on testosterone. They take on muscle bulk way bigger and faster than the girls. And we, their times then start to get faster than the girls' times. So it's harder to make these meets. But when my daughter was swimming and she made state at nine years old, and and uh, the little boy whose parents sat like sat next to said, oh, well, Eli just made it too. And I'm like, what? How did Eli? He swam a second slower than my daughter did. Well, their qualifying times, and I didn't even pay attention to boys' qualifying times because so I didn't have a boy swimming. They were way easier back then. But once they hit puberty, all all bets are off and everything changes. Sydney,
2: what what Leah Thomas, as now calls herself, uh, is six foot four. How much difference would there be? Leave aside the biology, just being that much bigger as a swimmer, longer arms, longer legs, that has a tremendous competitive advantage standing alone, even taking away the testosterone, right, which is partly becoming a a reality because of biology.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I'm six foot tall, and many of the female swimmers were also tall, but um, not six four. We I never swam with a woman that was six four. I, I just, I just, am I'm just so upset. And and after, after the win of that 500 free, and nobody cheered for him, and they they went all crazy for the second place female. Yes, and which is rightly so. But I'm just, I'm just mind boggled by the NC2A and them getting this. So wrong. This call was so wrong for us girls and females across the board, not just in swimming, but in every sport. This is going to happen across the board, and and something's got to change. I mean, one year, three years of testosterone suppression it does nothing. Doesn't
4: change. Yeah, we know. So, Cindy, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. We appreciate you listening, calling in. Clay, we got Miranda Devine of the New York Post on the Hunter Biden laptop
2: coming up. We've also got Fauci is back, Clay. He missed you. I know. And we'll also talk about the shutdown of the Babylon B account. All that coming, hour three. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on, on the, the front, front lines, lines of, of truth. truth. Uh,